Good morning. My name is Spencer Bros, and I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's Church. And it is a blessing to be here with you this morning as we gather as the body of Christ, worshiping together, praying together, exploring God's word together. Today, as we do just that, as we explore God's word, we turn to Luke's gospel once again. We're in Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. When when some were speaking about the temple, it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, and he being Jesus. As for those things that you see, the days will come when when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will this be and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I'll give you words and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and siblings, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Don't you just love those cheery, uplifting scripture passages? But you know, it's a passage that starts bad and ends good, and there are a lot of, I don't know, I like dad jokes because I guess I'm dad, and maybe even if I wasn't, I would. But there's a a great good news, bad news joke. Uh, An art gallery owner said to a local artist, I have some good news for you, and I have some bad news. And the artist said, well, what's the good news? Let's start there. The gallery owner said, the good news is that a woman came by today who loved your work. She asked if the value would go up after you died. I told her yes. Then she bought every piece in the store. Laura said, that's fantastic. How can this be bad news? Well, she was your wife. But I'm bummed. It's bad. I know. I know. But life has bad news. Life has good news. Life is uncertain at best. But we forget that sometimes. We think that everything is, is the way it should be and it should be settled and it should be fine. But then every so often we're confronted with uncertainty that we can't overlook anymore. About 100 years ago, people wondered if the fierce battles of World War I were the, was the Armageddon, was the apocalypse coming then. Well, not yet, because, you know, then came World War II. Same people thought the same things. But then at the end of World War II, newspaper headlines screamed, 
peace on earth. If that was ever true, it was short-lived. In, in this sense, and there have been wars and battles and challenges all throughout last century, and in this century, um, was welcomed in with the events of 9/11 that seemed to unleash another age of terror. Most recently, we experienced plagues and pestilence, otherwise known as the pandemic. But I still think we can hear the quiet voice of Jesus reassuring us, but the end is not yet. Not yet. It's not yet. Because all of those things have been happening for hundreds of years since Jesus spoke those words. And he's been saying, not yet. When this text was written, there had, there, uh, around that time when the text was written, after the events of Luke and after the resurrection, even after most of the New Testament was written, there were three new emperors in Rome in the space of one year. And immediately before Titus's sack of Jerusalem, when Jerusalem was destroyed, and his destruction of the temple, which the disciples had been uh, admiring, that would come at about 70 A.D., a little while, not that long after. Jesus said these words. And Jesus' answer to the disciples' questions about times and signs. They want to know when is the end? When is, when is this the end that begins with that then leads to good is what it is. It's not the end of everything and it's just terrible and it's but it's the end of this, so the beginning of God's new creation. He speaks of things which have always been, which seem to always will be, but he tells them they won't. The temple was huge. There's only one wall standing of that temple. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, and the stones in that temple are massive, tons of weight in, in each, some of these stones. They couldn't imagine anything changing. But Jesus said, they're going to go away. There's going to be war and destruction here, and the Romans will tear it down to the very last stone. And if it wasn't bad enough, he continues, the armies will, will even detain you because you follow me instead of their gods. And that's about as bad news as it gets. This is not an uplifting passage. I understand that. We want to hear the happy stuff. But sometimes in order to appreciate the good, we have to also just take a look at the bad. And Jesus does end in this passage with, if you remain faithful, not one hair of your head will perish and your soul will live in peace. I have jokes coming to mind about hairs perishing, however. But remember, this is not a, this is, Jesus isn't speaking literally that nothing bad is going to happen to them. He's already told them you're going to be arrested and you're going to be persecuted. By the time this was written, Early Christians were already explicitly being persecuted, and most likely Stephen, who this church is named after, had already been put to death. So they knew Christians who were dying for their faith. Yet they still made sure that we heard the words of Jesus saying, not one hair of your head will perish. And it's not because of our mortal bodies, but because of our eternal souls that Jesus is offering reassurance. Physical Temporal things may be bad. But other things will not only be good, but they'll be great. And we don't face apocalyptic Armageddon-type stuff often, which is good. 
So this text doesn't immediately apply to our day on those terms. However, I do believe that Jesus gives us a way to approach the challenges of life in general. When things seem topsy-turvy, when things seem out of control, when it doesn't seem that we can count on anything. So we'll just take a few of those things, a few of the things that Jesus mentioned today, and see how we can might apply them to challenges that we face in our daily lives as we learn about and remember about God's presence and Jesus' love. So when I can't count on anything else, what or who can I count on? Jesus has a ready answer. Trust in God. That's our solid ground. Who I don't know how far up into northern Virginia you all felt the earthquake in 2011. Did you all feel the earthquake in 2011? I know it cracked the monument. The Washington Monument. Yeah, that was a trippy day. Where I served in Hanover, the church was about maybe a tenth of a mile from a train track. I was sure a train had gone off the rails. It never happened before, but what else could it be? I'm not a West Coaster. Spent very little time on the West Coast. I know for them that would have been nothing, but that was an unnerving day. It was an unnerving season. It was, seemed like for many folks, and I put myself in there, we, we just felt off-center. We could count on the ground underneath our feet until that moment. Things didn't seem solid anymore. It was a weird feeling afterwards, and we looked to find grounding in other things, and, and that tells me that when we face difficult times, to put our trust in God. Everything else, including the ground underneath our feet, can change. God doesn't change. We put, when, we're, when things are uncertain, we look to put our trust in other places. We look to put our trust in things. We look to put our trust in people. We look to put our trust even in institutions. And ultimately, we come up short in things you know, we learn, there's a retail therapy. Are you familiar with that phrase? You know, it's just, I don't know what to do. Let's go shopping. Retail sales went up during the pandemic, even though job security went down. Because we were undergoing a little retail therapy. Things seem uncertain. Let me buy stuff. Right? Doesn't last. Goes away. There's a new lightning deal on Amazon or Walmart's rolled something else back. I don't know. We can't put our trust in things for enduring um, solutions. We try people looking for lasting comfort. But people can't in, in, uh, provide enduring contentment. We can help each other in moments in time. But ultimately, if you put your trust in a person, we're going to let you down. I'm going to, I'm going to disappoint y'all if I haven't already at some point in my time here. It's going to happen. It's just what is. And it might not be news to you. It might be news to some. But we know that in life that people disappoint us. What's the worst thing? I don't know about you, but the worst thing my dad could have ever said was not that I'm mad at you, but I'm disappointed. But we, just get, we, but we know that we're going to be disappointed in life. So we also know that we can't put our full trust in people to fix all of our stuff. And then we turn to institutions. Well, the government and the church have it all together. 
That's supposed to be a joke. Because we don't. Because our institution is built upon people and things, which we already know don't get us all the way there. Jesus says, trust in God. Author Barbara Brown Taylor said, when I say I trust Jesus, this is what I mean. I trust that the way of life leads through perseverance, not around it. At some point in time, we started to believe that when, well, not we, but culturally, we believe, Christians believe that when we say yes to Jesus, life is supposed to be good from there and easy from there, and Jesus never makes that promise. But I'll be here with you through the storm. So when we don't feel like we can count on anything else, we know we can count on God. And then at the same time, when I'm unsure about the world around me, I become unsure of myself. Jesus reminded the disciples to know their identity during a crisis. He said people will be cruel to them because they chose to love they chose love and, and God's people. In other words, people will attack you when they know that your identity comes from following me, my way, the way. People, the earliest Christians were known as people of the way. That was their, how they were known. There's a danger that we face in forgetting who we are, neglecting our identity. And when that happens, I think we find ourselves on sinking sand, much like the wise man in Matthew 7 that Jesus talks about, versus the, not the wise man, but the others. The wise man who built his house on a rock, and when the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house. The house didn't fall because it was founded on rock. And then there was the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. Part of our grounding is not only trusting in God, but trusting in whose we are through God, and that's our identity. That's who we are. That's who we become. The first song that, well, the second song we sang about being, being beloved of God, that's our identity at the very core. Our identity is at the heart of our ability to deal with the challenges, and if it's grounded in God, it's able to withstand those challenges and the hardships of life. But it's easier to stake our identity in what we do in our daily lives. The surgeon shared with me a struggle of identity when facing retirement. Who am I in when I take down my shingle, when I hang up my stethoscope? Who am I after that? Parents struggle with empty nests. Some of us celebrate. But sometimes we struggle too. Or even when kids change their stages of life, all of a sudden you don't have to do the things you used to do, and that's how you identified yourself as a person. Pastors struggle with it too. We find our self-worth in our ordination itself rather than in God. It happens. It happens in all walks of life, every role, career, skill set, everything. We wrap up our identity in the things that we do. That's where we go. And life might tell you that your essence is a job or a skill or a season of life, but Jesus says otherwise. Jesus says our identity comes from being a child of God, following the way of love, and it becomes the privilege of a lifetime. 
to know that's who we are because we identify as whose we are, as God's. I don't belong to the world. I don't belong to my job. I don't belong to my family. I belong to God. I'm a part of those things, but I belong to God. Jobs change, seasons of life change, skills, abilities change, but we remain God's beloved. And at the end of that, in all this telling, Jesus says, you, in the midst of the hardship, you have a story to tell. When I do weddings, I love doing weddings. Weddings are fun. They're a little crazy. Friday night rehearsals, people haven't seen each other for months, maybe years. If they're school friends or high school friends, it is a lot like herding kittens. But it's fun. But people are nervous, especially, well, usually the groom's not. He's just, anyway... I guess we're just along for the ride, perhaps. The bride and maybe parents. and So we all want things to go a certain way, right? So one of my reassurances is that if they don't go the way that you expect them to go, you're going to have a story to tell later, right? What a great thing. You have a story to tell later. Somebody forgot the rings. That happened one time. Somebody forgot the rings. They had to run back to the room where they changed them to grab the rings and come back out. He's out of breath. They're the best man. Not so best. In that moment, but they had a story to tell. They had a story to tell. In Hanover, after the earthquake, homeowners found lots of damage because we were not that far away from Mineral, the epicenter of the, of the earthquake. So people were looking at their houses. They got up under their crawl spaces, and they were finding damage. Some of it was earthquake damage, but many of them found damage that had been there for a long time that they didn't know about that could have been catastrophic. Those people started to sing the, the songs of praise for uh, home inspectors. Get your home inspect. Go take a look. They had a good, they, it was a bad thing, but they had a story to tell that led to good things. And other people, because of the stories of those people, would find things wrong with their homes. Chimneys were going to crumble. The, the footings under the foundation were unstable. There was bad things going on, but they had something to tell, and it became news and good news. And while I wouldn't have wished the past two and a half years on us, I do think there's good news to share at this, at this point from the pandemic. There was lots of hardship and heartache and pain even, as well as frustration and fear and despair. A list of what has been lost would probably wrap around the earth a hundred times if we took the time to put it to paper. And many still carry the burdens uh, that that were a part of it, associated with it. And, and, it's, and granted, it's not over yet. We still have anxiety around it and, and illness uh, a part of it. However, there are some wonderful blessings that came out of that. Again, I would not have wished the last two and a half years on us for nothing. But I know there's a woman across the street from us. She had been in uh, treatment for leukemia. And she had no immune system. They had destroyed all of her bone marrow so that they could replace it. So she had no immune system. Couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't see any, anyone. Hadn't been to Sunday school for two years. Much less church. She was so excited. She could join her Sunday school class through a Zoom meeting. I was like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Why, why, why did it take a pandemic for us to think about including people who would normally have been involved, much less people who can't be involved, 
and bringing them a part of, to be a part of our gathering once again. She was so thr- almost crying. And she may have been. I couldn't tell because she, she, she was in a mask before masks were fashionable, right? It was a good thing to come out of a bad. And not that we put ourselves in bad positions so that we come out with a good story at the end. Don't do that. Jesus isn't saying that. But to know that when life presents us challenges, that Jesus continues to walk through them with us, that when life is hard and things seem out of control, that God remains the same. And to know that through it all, that there's something that God is doing within us and through us. And maybe the story we have to tell is only something that changed within. Like this young woman who visited her grandmother during spring break. She had been in school. It was her first year in college. She had nothing but bad news to share with grandma. Her professors were mean. She didn't like the weather. It was too cold up there. She, could, she couldn't make any friends, and she couldn't get enough sleep. But grandma, grandma's wise. While the girl talked, she just filled three pots with water. Because, you know, they were sitting in the kitchen. That's where all the good conversation happens is in the kitchen. She's filling pots with water, puts them on the stoves, and brings them to a boil. She pulls out some carrots, puts them in one, some eggs, puts them in another. And then she uh, grabs the coffee beans, the ground coffee beans, and puts those in the third. Her daughter's just talking, just talking while Grandma's working. Granny turns off the stove, takes the carrots out of the pot, puts them in a bowl, takes the eggs out of their pot, puts them in another bowl, and then pours the coffee uh, into a separate pot. She said, honey, each of these face the same type of hardship, adversity. The carrots went in hard and strong, but they came out soft and weak. The eggs began with an outer shell that protected their insides, but the inside turned hard under the heat. However, the coffee... Well, the coffee, it changed the water. So, honey, do you want to be carrots, eggs, or coffee? Life isn't easy. And as we live it with Jesus, there is no promise that it gets any easier. But when we live it with Jesus and we face life's challenges with Jesus, we change the water, y'all. Salt and light. Salt changes the water. That's a whole nother sermon. Matthew 5. You can look it up later. We're meant to change the water. We're meant to change this, the situation. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't make things go away. And we're not Jesus always pushing away the storm. But we can find peace in the midst of the storm. And assurances in the midst of the challenges. And be grounded when everything else seems out of control. Jesus reminds us of our firm foundation as we put our trust in God. He reminds us of our identity, even though that might be the source of our hardship, and that when we claim it and live it, we are secure in his embrace. And he reminds us that every hardship has a silver lining, not only for us to hold on to and to provide us hope, but also as a story to share with others that might bring them hope. It might bring them to Jesus as well. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, many of our days are 
in between peaceful and stormy. We live most of our lives in this balance between things of discontent and um, contentment, somewhere in between. Rarely are we all one or all the other. But Lord, you walk with us from the worst to the best, through the worst and through the best, and all the parts of life in between. Help us to make our identity firm in you, trusting in God's presence with us always that never leaves us and never forsakes us. To know who we are because of your great love for us. And to know that we've got a story to tell. A story that not only brings us hope, but can bring hope to the world so that we might indeed change the water around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.